Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. All right, everyone, welcome to the Steelers Wire postgame show, we could say, Kurt. We put off our recording to Wednesday night so we could chat right after the Ravens-Steelers game. So how'd you enjoy some Wednesday night football, my man? You know, I expected nothing less than an ugly, ugly football game, and my Steelers always deliver. I mean, they, they never let me down when it comes to causing anxiety. So That thing was ugly, Kurt. There's no doubt about it. That was some ugly football, and I don't know if it was because the players were kind of sick of all the schedule changes just this game gets moved three times. So one thing that I'll say is on Twitter, following all the Steelers players has become a, a must-do, right? you got to just follow all the Steelers yeah. players and watch their reactions because Tomlin lets them kind of do whatever they want on Twitter, I think, and they, they're not afraid to use all the emojis, play the videos and the memes and stuff, and they'll just make fun of the NFL for all these decisions all day long. But I think the Steelers kind of wanted to play that Thanksgiving primetime thing at home. I yeah. think they were looking forward to it, Kurt. So not, not surprising. I think they were a little deflated and a little worn out by all the schedule changes by the time this game finally kicked off. And, and I think the fact that they couldn't really practice, you know, they were, I made a comment right after the game in a piece I wrote that I said, clearly Ben Roethlisberger doesn't need to practice to play well. We've seen that already this year, but his receivers need practice. I mean, they can't, they can't go out there rusty. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, you saw a, a couple of teams early in the game, a couple of teams have just been sitting around for a week. You know, they haven't been able to work out. They haven't been able to practice together. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I have my own opinions on whether or not any of this really has to do with player safety or not, why these games, this game kept getting moved. But yeah, I mean, it's just rusty football players, guys that, that hadn't been working together for, for six or seven days. And, you know, this game was supposed to be played a week ago. And so it's uh, everybody's just been sitting on their hands waiting for the league to decide. The Steelers got a couple of couple of walkthroughs type practices in. I don't think Baltimore got that much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty much what you what you look for in a in a game where players have just kind of sat around and wondered if they're going to play and when they're going to play. And, you know, then you start seeing names pop up for both teams on the COVID list. And Seriously. I mean, you know, Pouncey gets scratched. An hour before kickoff, after the game, Ben Roethlisberger admits he almost never takes snaps in practice from half an hour. And so he was he was very happy it worked out as well as he did because they never practice together. You know, it's always it's always been a pouncy. They take the same days off everything. So, I mean, everything that could have gone wrong. Probably fortunate that more didn't go wrong, honestly, when you think about the circumstances. This is the week it got nutty. It got nutty. It, it's, it wasn't just a Steelers-Ravens game. Although, Kurt, I love how you put that. The game got delayed a week. How many times can you say that? Uh, an NFL game got delayed a week, and it's going to count towards, you know, and the standings are just going to continue to roll. Like, the Steelers get the W, 19-14. They get to 11-0. That's the good news. But it's so true. The game did get delayed a whole week almost. One day off a whole week. That's crazy. You got that thing, which is just nuts. You got the Broncos situation, which is crazy, with the with them playing a practice squad receiver at quarterback, right? You can look at the Cowboys, too. They've been off for 12 days. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can, they played Thanksgiving. They're not playing till next Tuesday. So yeah. uh, it's just wild. It's just wild how many teams are kind of getting their schedule messed up and changed. And now the Steelers 
although they had a long wait for this one now, Kurt. Now they're going to have to – they're going to be really crammed. What is it? like? Three three games in 12 days starting today. Yep, that's what so it is. So they'll, they'll play again Monday afternoon. they got a 4 o'clock kickoff on Monday, and then they got to turn around the following Sunday and play the Buffalo Bills on the road, and that's going to be tough. I mean, that's the – that's the game that, you know, especially in light of the news, you know, early reports are saying now that Bud Dupree tore his ACL tonight when oh he God, went down serious? late in the game. And so if they don't have Bud Dupree, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Highsmith and Denny as backups, but I'm not sure either of them can, can do what Bud did on that other side. I think the defense probably taking a pretty serious hit if he's not able to come back. But, yeah, that's the – Several national reporters have come out and said that the early reports are that's a that's a torn ACL for him. So I'm sure by the time this this is up, we'll know for sure. But Tomlin didn't elaborate on it much. He was so mad in his press conference, he really didn't want to talk about much of anything. So you thought they lost by 30, as, as upset as he was. But yeah, I mean, that, and Washington is not a bad football team. I mean, I've watched them play a couple times this year. They're they got a pretty good defense. They got a pretty good secondary. They got that rookie running back Antonio Gibson. They got that McLaurin, that wide receiver. I mean, it's going to be tough. Steelers are. Ben said, "I'm going to go home and watch film tonight." You know, he's going to go home and start watching film on him tonight because there's no time to waste. I mean, they're going to try to probably take tomorrow off, practice Friday, Saturday, and have a walkthrough on Sunday. And they've got to, they got to be ready to play. So it's if they can come out of these three games with at least two wins, I'm going to feel pretty good about their chances in those last few games after that. No, I'm with you, Kurt. There's no days off now. It's it's just going to get crazier and weirder. And this is what we are. We're playing football at you know really with COVID peaking all over the place. And the and Roger Goodell came on at halftime and just said, "No, you know our protocols are working. We're going to keep pushing right through. We're going to end it on time. So we're just yeah. going to keep kind of grinding our way through it. Right? That's that's where we're at. Yeah, he's the he's the living embodiment of that meme of that little dog sitting at that table in that burning house saying everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, that was everything's fine. Yeah, we see that one all 50, the time. Fifty three positive tests in the NFL in the last week but everything's fine we're we're okay no yeah. big deal seriously so we, we got a lot to get to here i think the, the bud dupree injury is one that we should definitely get into as well that's yeah. that's a whopper that's a tough one that's a tough yeah. one to swallow i saw him limp off i was you're hoping it's not that so if it's acl if it's season ending we should talk about how that's going to affect the steelers and and that defense which is just and you see it in a day like today even though they had that one play at the end that was a little you kind of scratch your head with uh that old gunslinger mcsorley who i've never heard of chucking a, <laughs> chucking a 70 yard touchdown kurt this defense is kind of the the heart and soul of the team so uh on the other side let's talk about the bud dupree injury what that might mean we'll be right back Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk strong plays for Week 13 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cousins has really picked up his play of late, and he gets a star receiver Adam Thielen back in the lineup after one week off due to COVID-19. Only the Dallas Cowboys have given up more passing touchdowns in 2020 than the Jaguars. Jacksonville is hardly a threat to pick off a pass, and the yardage against them is fifth in the NFL. Factor in Dalvin Cook, and Jacksonville's defense will be spread too thin. New England Patriots running back Damian 
Harris at the Los Angeles Chargers. All seven rushing touchdowns against the Bolts have come since week seven, and the position has yielded seven different performances of at least 60 yards in that time. There have been eight double-digit PPR efforts over that period as well, and Harris has a chance to rebound after a couple of weeks with lukewarm results. New York Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman versus the Las Vegas Raiders. In Perriman's last five games, scattered over seven weeks thanks to injuries and a bye, the well-traveled veteran has generated at least 10.2 PPR points four times. Since Week 9's breakout game against the Pats, Perriman has produced with both Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold at quarterback. Las Vegas has given up a wide receiver touchdown every 12.3 completions, and just 10 teams have given up more yards to the position in 2020. And at tight end, Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings will pick on the Jaguars one more time. As mentioned, Thielen returns to balance out this offense. The matchup is a major plus as well, and the Jaguars have granted tight ends four touchdowns in the last five games. The volume has been low, which, unlike Week 12 for Rudolph, has been the norm all season long. And that's fine. You're only playing him as a flyer to get into the end zone, and he can be used as a stack with Kirk Cousins in redraft and DFS action in Week 13. It was an ugly game, Kurt, but the defense, I want to say, had a good day. It was a good day for the defense. They scored a touchdown. They really didn't give up any points. You know, there was that short field off the, the muffed punt, right? But besides yep. that, they really didn't give any up any points until McSorley uh, burned them on that, that ridiculous well, throw. So I, I think that one was yeah. just kind of a, an outlier. But this yeah. defense is so good. They really dominated and controlled this game all the way through. But if you lose a guy like Bud Dupree, I mean, that's kind of like the heartbeat of that defense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, talk, talk about how big of a loss that would be. If he's got to miss the season, like, how big of a hit would that be? It it's just feels massive right now just reacting. Yeah. just happening yeah. before our eyes. And, and you know, Dupree kind of gets known, kind of like T.J. Watt. They get known for their sack numbers and their quarterback pressures. But Dupree this year has shown me he's a much better run defender. You know, the, the, the running joke with him has always been he's a really great athlete. You just need to learn how to play football. And he's finally learned how to play football and understand, you know, where he needs to be with so many teams running those zone reads now where you have to, you know, if he's on the edge, he's got to stay at home. And he used to get beat on those plays so much. And now you see him. I mean, he's the run stopper. I mean, he's, you know, the, those kind of plays, the plays where he can, he can use that speed to get to the other side of the hash marks at the snap and chase down a running back after a one-yard gain, you know, they don't have a guy on that side that can recreate that. Alex Highsmith's a nice player. He's a rookie. I think he's got a bright future. Ola Denny is a nice player. But neither of those guys are going to chase and tackle the way Dupree does. They're not going to bring the energy he does. You know, T.J. Watt kind of gets the credit for being the the high-energy guy and, the you know, all that sort of thing. But it's kind of been Dupree this year. I mean, he's really been the one that he, he and Vince Williams are kind of the two linebackers that the team's kind of rallying around as far as energy goes. And this is going to be tough. I mean, the, the players and the coaches are going to say all the right things and say it's next man up and we whoever's next in line has got to make those plays. But if you're an opposing offense, you're going to look at that and go, we don't have to worry as much about that side now as we did before. And, and that's going to change everything. Name we didn't hear tonight at all. Didn't hear Mike Hilton's name at all tonight. Um, a, a guy who's usually really heavily involved in run support, heavily involved as a blitzer. I suspect that if, if Bud Dupree's really out for the rest of the year, they're going to find ways to get Hilton much more involved in the defense now. They're going to they're probably going to run that dime where they bring in an extra extra corner instead of an extra safety. Let that player 
stay back in coverage, and you're probably going to see Hilton defend the run more and, and rush the passer more. You're probably going to see Vince Williams rush the passer more. They're probably going to go back to blitzing him a little more. I mean, it's going to take several guys to fill in the types of plays that Dupree had made this year because he is much more just a pass rusher. I mean, that's the, you know, and, and uh, just it, what hurts me for him more than anything is he's playing on the franchise tag. He's yes. heading into free agency. Yes, yes. His future, was right? looking, What's it mean? Yeah, he. this was going to be his, you know, this was going to be his generational life-changing contract you know it wasn't going to be in pittsburgh obviously but this was the money that he was going to go make and know that his family was taken care of and now you know i mean he's he's hurt in early december i know these guys are amazing athletes and medical technology is incredible but i have a hard time imagining he's going to be ready for the start of next season um certainly probably wouldn't be ready for training camp so what's that do to his value? You know, are, are teams going to look at him and go, we're going to pay you, you know, this uh, massive guaranteed contract if we're not real sure if you're going to be completely back next year or, you know, are you ever going to have that step again? I mean, I know that that's kind of overplayed in, in today's NFL. It used to be when guys would tear their ACL. It was two years before they were back to full speed and some of them were never back to full speed. We really don't don't see that much anymore, but it, it's got to it's gotta hurt him. I mean, it's it's got to be something that's going to impact his contract. Now, as a Steelers fan, would I like to see Pittsburgh try to go ahead and re-sign him now that his his uh, leverage maybe isn't quite as, as strong as it was before. Sure. Sure, but I don't want it to be like this. I want the guy to go out and make his money and, and be great. And so, you know, this, this hurts him on multiple levels. Um, and you just – I sincerely hope that this is one of those things that once the – you know, typically you got to wait till the swelling goes down, then you get the MRI and that sort of thing. Maybe maybe this is just, a, you know, people just kind of overreacting to the initial report. It looked terrible. I mean, it, you know, to, to freeze like that on a non-contact injury and then just kind of go down at a hump on the on the ground like that and he's pounding on the ground i he just knew something was wrong yeah. he knew something was wrong gets himself off the field but you could just tell how angry he was on the sidelines he is just he knew something bad had happened you just hope when he's walking around on it you just kind of hope that maybe you know he's, he's not yeah. getting carted off but you're right non-contact his reaction was not good <laughs> So it, it was very scary, and I just think the Steelers need him. I, I think they do. I, I just yeah. – if, if I had to pick a player they had to lose, Kurt, I, Bud Dupree would be uh, – he's, he's he'd be one of the guys I'd protect from that because you just no. – you can't take another Definitely hit. Definitely top three. Yeah, that linebacker I mean, he's top four. three on defense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Bud Dupree. I mean, you really – maybe Joe Hayden, but, I mean, even then, I don't know. I don't know that you'd put him, put him behind Hayden for a guy that you can't replace. Yeah, especially it's, when you lose Devin Bush, too. I mean that the, you just didn't yeah. need to lose one of your best, yep. li- you know, your best linebacker. You just didn't need to do yeah. that. And, and on the play, he got injured. He was about to go sack the quarterback. By the way, he was. He was. He was. He was on the run and just just lost it, planted and was dead. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's really no uh, there's really no quantifying how how devastating this will be. And and as I'm looking at Twitter right now, as we're as we're talking, Kurt, all the blue check marks and even the Steelers wire is put out there that what we are all kind of fearing. The initial reports are torn yeah. ACL. They're going to obviously test it for real, but seems like the the doctors on the field thought it was a torn ACL. Yeah. I guess when you watch the replay of it, all signs kind of point that way. So, yeah. Bud Dupree goes down, and that's. Uh, 
That's a tough one. The Steelers win the game. They sweep the Ravens. That's always sweet. It's always good to sweep Harbaugh, that fucking weirdo. Uh, You know what I mean? Like that that goofball. Yeah, seriously. So it's always good to sweep Harbaugh. It's good to be 11-0, that whole thing. But uh, this is... This is going to be a tough loss for the Steelers. So this is going to be this is going to be one that we're going to have to we're going to have to monitor as we go. But the offense was up and down today. The receivers were, had the drops, and I don't know if they just got disinterested today. But the uh, the receivers didn't hold on to the football very well. There's some stuff that went on late in the game that can't really sit right with too many Steelers fans. Let's talk about that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. We're breaking down the Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and Buffalo Bills. The 49ers come in as two-and-a-half-point underdogs as the official home team in this. They have minus 106 odds. The Bills, minus 115 odds to win by a minimum of three points. Jeff, do the Bills continue to roll through 2020, or are the 49ers back on track? Oh, for sure. I'm on the Bills to win by more than a field goal here. Josh Allen could stretch the 49ers defense more so than Jared Goff could last week. And I think this Bills defense is trending up. And it's going to do a good job against the 49ers rush and make Nick Mullins beat them in the air. I think the 49ers are back on track. That They're getting healthy. The the running game looking strong. The defense coming on as well. Kyle Shanahan's squad fighting for a playoff spot. I think they make it back-to-back and beat the Bills. Back the 49ers plus 2.5. So, Kurt, I go back to this uh, late in the game. It was a third down. The Steelers run this really well-designed, well-timed play to Deontay. He's wide open. Roethlisberger puts it right on him. And Deontay just drops the ball. And it wasn't only Deontay. I think uh, Ebron dropped like a million passes in this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Guys were dropping passes all over the place. I thought Juju had a pretty good game. He caught some stuff in traffic. Nice touchdown catch as well to kind of get some separation. The Steelers ended up needing that. But I didn't love that thing. Like, the third down, wide open Deontay Johnson. He drops the ball. The Steelers have to punt. And then they give up that 70-yard touchdown to Marquise Brown. And all of a sudden, the Ravens are back in it with this guy again, McSorley, who I've never heard of. You know, And all of a sudden, the Ravens are right back in it. It's a one-score game. They they kick it off, and then James Washington, right, with this great third down yeah. catch. That's your guy, James Washington. That's finally, my guy. Finally shuts the lights out on – but you can't really love as a Steelers fan how they finish that thing out. No, and, and even earlier in the game, I mean, Deontay Johnson dropped that wide-open deep ball, but he dropped a sure touchdown in the first half. They were down the red zone, and he bounced one right off his thigh pads. I mean, he, he had a touchdown on one of those little slants. And the guys were just letting the ball go through their hands. And like I said, I think they, they missed the practice reps more than anybody else did. It seems like they were the ones that, you know, the, the offensive line was kind of cobbled together and they, they played well. Um, they didn't play well late, but uh, early on, they did a good job protecting Ben. But the receivers just looked like they needed those reps that they didn't get through the week because it was bad. Eric Ebron dropped several that he really should have caught. Several guys, you could see they were kind of turning up field before they had secured the football trying to make a play. I get that. A couple of guys caught passes, and then they got knocked out. Fortunately, they went out of bounds, and they didn't didn't become turnovers. Yeah, it was it was some sloppy football by the receivers. I you, you kind of count on it. Chase Claypool had a couple of, of bad plays. 
you know, he's he's always good for one deep pass interference call, so that's always good. I, I assume that's what they actually call it in the playbook, where he just runs downfield and draws contact and <laughs> gets a 45-yard 40, pass interference or whatever it was so but freaking fast oh yeah and i mean even the even the the ravens corners i mean when you're committing your best corner to a rookie on a on a group that's as talented as the steelers receivers that's respect i mean they know that he's the one that's gonna that's gonna take it over the top on him and so yeah i thought juju had a great game i mean he kind of gutted it out a lot of tough catches but yeah james james washington's my guy i was glad to hear ben roethlisberger after the game lobbying that they need him on the field more you know He's country boy strong, and you can tell three guys didn't make a difference. That that football belonged to him. Yeah, that was sweet, and I just I, I did not want to see the Ravens get the football back. I'm like, here we go, you know, here we go. No. And if they if the Ravens were to like somehow pull this one out at the end, oh my god, with McSorley out there, like yeah. that would have been brutal because. The defense had its moments where it was missing tackles. The offense was dropping passes. They weren't really executing. We had the muffed punt. So there's a lot of stuff to nitpick. I can tell why Tomlin was uh, not happy post-game, Kurt. What was, some of the, what was he saying in this post-game conference? What, what were your top takeaways from that? Well, he started off and he said, I'm, you know, I'm very disappointed in our performance. And there's a term that Tomlin uses called, he says they're playing varsity ball. <laughs> right. And he said, he said, we played junior varsity ball tonight. And so He's not if you're a Pittsburgh guy, you know, that's where it starts. And at one point, one of the reporters asked, what do you attribute um, all these drop passes and struggles in the red zone to Tomlin just very plainly us sucking. That was his <laughs> whole answer. That's I mean, perfect. it was. It was that simple. He didn't didn't say another word. You know, you'd have thought they lost. I mean, you you really would. You know, he said he said the the you know another one of his lines that he's used the last several weeks is the only thing perfect about us is our record. But he did say, and I agree with him that the problems they had today are not problems that you have to reinvent the wheel to correct. You know, as, as bad as it looked, they have time, you know, just getting the guys out on the field together to correct those problems. I mean, they, you know, on defense, I know we said the defense played well, but like Tomlin said, they gave up that fourth down run to McSorley to keep that drive going. They gave up a long run to Robert Griffin um, in the first half, 40 yards, I think, on a rush, you know, and then the touchdown to, to Hollywood Brown. You know, those are the kind of plays that, that have haunted Tomlin and the Steelers during this stretch where they didn't make the playoffs. Giving up big plays. That's that's one thing that just drives him crazy. And, you know, you chip away at him, that bend that don't break, you know, stopping drives. He does not like giving up those long drives, that, those long plays. That is just a huge thing for him. And to give up three or four in one game, I mean, that's tough. For, that'll be tough for Tomlin to swallow. You know, but Steelers fans know old McSorley. I mean, he's a Penn State guy, so they all they all probably cheered for him a couple of years ago when he was in college. So sure, yeah. So I, I mean, I do want I I got to let you go, Kirk, because I know you got to get to the Rockefeller uh, tree lighting. You don't oh. you don't want to miss that tonight. So we gotta, can't wait. We got to try. We got to try to wrap this thing up quick here for you. Yeah. Quickly on this on this matchup with Washington. I'm kind of here for this. I like this Monday night five o'clock thing. I like the five o'clock game and then the eight fifteen. I think that's something or Eastern time. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of here. For for that thing. I like that. You know, I know it's, you know, the Steelers probably aren't, ha- aren't happy and, and nor should they be. Their schedule's all jacked up. As yeah. a fan, I kind of like the two Monday night game thing. So I'm looking forward to it. But Washington is like, I don't know, they might be the best team in the NFC East right now. They might be the most well put together. I think they got the best quarterback. Yeah. They're starting to get the running thing going with uh, Gibson. He's a good rookie. And the defense gets after the passer, man. They really do. So 
the Steelers are definitely better than Washington, but if they come out here and play like a crap game like they did against the Ravens tonight, they could be in some trouble. That could be a, a real ball game at the end. Washington's tough, man. Like, what do you think about that matchup? It worries me on short rest. It really does. A full week, I probably wouldn't give it a whole lot of thought, but it kind of worries me on short rest, um, especially because we don't know. You know, Steelers have three starters on the COVID list. Um, James Conner, Marquise Pouncey, and Stephon it. We don't know if any of those guys are going to be back in time. Connor probably not because he actually had a positive test. I don't think the other two did. It's going to be tough. I, like I said, I, I think Washington's defense is pretty talented. They've uh, they got some nice players in the secondary. I think they match up a little better with Pittsburgh. You know, it seems like Pittsburgh's drawn some some banged up secondaries in the last few weeks. Guys that either were hurt coming in or got hurt during the game, and they can exploit some matchups. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get that with Washington. And I think that, uh, again, it's going to all come down to the fact that I think Alex Smith, he's a great story. Awesome that he came back, but I think that Pittsburgh given the opportunity, they're just going to tee off on him. I think they're going to, they're going to try to rattle him right off the bat, see if they can, they can take advantage of the fact that he doesn't move around very well in the pocket at this point in his career and hope that they can just minimize the big plays to Gibson. I mean, he finds ways, whether he's catching the ball, you know, he's kind of their Le'Veon Bell, you know, he does a little everything for him. And, uh, I, I think that Pittsburgh's got to make sure that they can they can kind of minimize the damage him and, and that Terry McLaurin, that wide receiver. You know, if they can minimize the damage those guys do, uh, that'll give them a chance to go after Smith. Now, obviously, we you know, with Bud Dupree out there, that changes things a little, but they've still got pass rushers. Cam Hayward can still get after it. Tyson Alulu can get after it. You know, Stephon Tewitt comes back. I'm not so worried about this game. I think this is one of those where they're probably going to come in and be pretty conservative, try to hold on to the football. I think we we saw some really good things out of Benny Snell tonight. You know, in spite of kind of average offensive line play down the line, Snell ran the ball hard. So I, I, I'm worried, but I'm always worried. So this is you no are. different. You're, you're always worried, this, yes. I, I'm always worried. This I mean, could it, be the Jets and you'd be worried. It could. It could be. I mean, the Bengals are coming up with no Joe Burrow, and I'm not comfortable with that. So. Uh, you, you better be. You better be <laughs> oh, yeah. It's because the Steelers, they, they do it. Everyone's like, you know, they're going to lose a game. They're going to drop one because they're always messing around out there. They're not playing their best football. And then here they are. You look at the, you look at the standings. They're 11-0, and they're getting it done. <laughs> so that's what they are right now. This is a weird one. This is a weird one, but it was Wednesday night. You know, I think that was probably your first Wednesday night game to cover, Kurt. Maybe, maybe it won't be your last. We'll see. It's 2020, yeah, right? It's 2020 <laughs> in the NFL. So that was fun. A nice post-game show. I'll take it. Why you not? Bet. You bet. Don't want to do a lot of these, but I'll take this one. He's Kurt Popejoy. Join us next week on the Steelers Wire podcast. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast inside the weekly line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.